Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I, Lionel, command it. I also command that you keep listening to Adrian Has Issues. Hey everybody, welcome to Adrian Has Issues. If you've been listening to the show in the last couple of weeks, you have learned a very hard truth about me. Uh, there are two things that I'm horribly addicted to, I don't care who knows, but it's music and video games. And I live in this wonderful world where the two have met, have married, and have produced <laughs> a litter of amazing <laughs> projects. And I almost get to the point where I almost can't even like talk about them all because there's so much great stuff happening but today I am speaking with uh, Mustin, who's best known as the co-founder of One Up Studios and the One Ups, the band itself, which I had put two and two together going, oh my God, like I love the One Ups. Um, you are working on, which is technically like your first solo project. And well, it's several years in the making, The World of Square, which is chill out sort of show wave rendition of Squaresoft's music from games like Final Fantasy and Chrono Trigger. And we're going to talk about all those today, plus some other fun stuff. But Dustin, welcome to the show and thank you for uh, joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thanks to Jason once again for putting this together. When I was reading the press release, it's like, all right, let's just run down the list. You get a mono, Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy 4, 6, and 7, the games that I have pretty much spent my entire childhood playing instead of being outside with friends. Yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> and now I just feel, I don't know about you, and I actually, right off the bat, like, I don't know, I feel vindicated. Because as a kid, I was always told, it's like, oh, stop playing these games, go outside. And I was like, nope, I'm going to play these. And now there are people who can tour the world and now are releasing music based on this game's music. And it's like, see, had I seen it outside, I never would have known about this. So, ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that definitely uh, correlates. Before we even get into the album in detail, let's get into like the journey in order to make it. To me, as someone who talks to creators, you know, we often talk about like the finished product, but I'm always interested in hearing about the work it took to get things done because I feel like for a lot of people, that's the part that isn't always known or at least are aware of. Well, I have been producing music for a long time. I did music in school, and uh, when I graduated high school, that summer, I discovered other people were doing video game music stuff because I was doing some stuff where I'd write it out on paper and then have my friends play it for me. <laughs> nice. Uh, on, the, on their different instruments. And then I start, I got a computer software program called MIDISoft, which was very basic for a graduation present uh, from my best bud. Shortly after that, I found emulation. And shortly after that, I found Overclocked Remix. And I found Project Majestic Mix. And I just found that there's all these people that were doing video game music stuff, uh, arrangements. And then Project Majestic Mix was the first people to do licensed arrangements in the United States. So it was, um, it, it all started like around there. Things got real exciting. And then that's when I co founded the One Ups, which at the time was called One Up Mushrooms. That was one of maybe 10 bands that were around. So we've been around a long time and I've been doing all these music projects ever since then and working with other people and making different kinds of records and having these deadlines. 
But then every once in a while in there, I would have like inspiration of my own. Oh, we're working on this tune from Final Fantasy. It reminds me of how much I love this tune, but my arrangement of that wouldn't fit with this. But I'm inspired, so I'm going to work on this. And that's how I kind of kept just making these tracks. And then eventually had enough works in progress where I felt like I was going to have an album. Right. But I didn't have anybody to to hold me accountable. So even though I was talking about this album for years, about how I'm going to finish it, um, there was no one for me to let down. So, <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't get it done until I thought of Jason uh, Napolitano from Scarlet Moon Records. He's been doing a lot of cool stuff, and I said, "Hey, would you put out my album?" Because I don't want to let him down. And so he said yes, and then I had a boss, basically. So that's <laughs> what really pushed it all together, and it only took like less than a year from from that point to to bring it all in and finish it all up and he gave me some guidance he listened to the tracks he told me what he liked and and uh he really did help me shape it and so then i was able to just say hey it's uh i wanted to get to 10 tracks but i just couldn't really figure it out and one of my favorite albums of all time is Steely Dan's Asia, and that's only seven tracks. Oh, such a good! <laughs> that's funny. I was just I was I had introduced the kids to Steely Dan uh, a couple of nights ago. I think it went well. <laughs> good. So I got one more than that. So I figured, okay, that's good. And, and even though it is eight tracks, it's still over forty minutes of music, which you know sometimes you're not even getting that much on uh, ten track albums these days. But yeah, I was I was I'm really happy with it. I'm really excited to have something that. It's pro- like professional looking and has my name on it. Just me. I mean, of course, a lot of people help me make it, but it's not the one-ups and it's not bad dudes. And, you know, it's not something else that I worked on with a bunch of people. It was just what I was trying to do. Well, yeah. And we've seen this so many times in music, you know, when there's maybe like side projects or something like that. And I think a lot of people have this thought about, oh, they're doing their own projects, so there must be some sort of tension in the band. That's why they're doing their own stuff. And it's like, no, sometimes, and I think that's cool. I don't know what your thoughts about it, where I feel like now it's a little bit more acceptable, where, like, you know, like, I have this band, but I have this other music that maybe doesn't fit here that I want to maybe put out into the world. And I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. I don't either. And also, the technology is so accessible. Everybody has access to equipment my cat has a recording studio in his litter box it's <laughs> i mean it, people anybody can do it you know right so that kind of helps too and if you're in a band environment you're you're going to be a creative person so it's kind of natural that you would do other stuff so many people in bands are not in just one band they are in several bands and but yeah the guys in my band, the one-ups, you know, they've been doing stuff outside of just our band forever as well. So I'm not like going solo, as it were. Right. Not pulling a sting or whoever, <laughs> a Beyonce. <laughs> there you go, the Beyonce of the VGMC. That would, that, there you go. That's that's a title. I would really like that title. That would be sweet. <laughs> so I know you said that you were trying to get to ten some of those tracks or were they based on the same games listed here yeah i almost had a shayla from chrono trigger done i I had it it was really it it was uh i flipped it so that the chords were major and it had an irish whistle and and it was it was interesting but i just couldn't 
get all the way there. Didn't quite pull that off. I also had a um, the Kingdom Hearts. Um, oh golly, what's the name of that track? This the 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 vocal one. Well, let's see. There's you're talking about from the first game. I think yeah, I think it was the first game. Oh, was it Simple and Clean or Sanctuary? Sanctuary. That's the track. Like that's the track of Kingdom Hearts to me. Yeah, I was trying to do that with a piano, a, a girl doing vocals, and then uh, I was going to get some uh, like a string quartet and and do something very interesting with that and a lot of vocal effects. But uh, I didn't finish that one. But not for nothing, though, the fact that this came out at all, I think, is really cool. And I think what's not only just the songs themselves that, you know, like a lot of gamers who are into the Square Soft RPGs of, like, the Super NES or even, you know, PlayStation era love, but I think in how they were arranged, I think, is what really got to me. And, you know, the kids dug it, too. And I just love that, yes... There's the original video game, and we've seen it be translated into, let's say, metal arrangements or even, let's say, hip hop. But to just kind of have like a nice, like, chill out album to, like, I thought that was a really nice touch. And that's something that you don't get a lot of. So I, it's really unique in that regard. Well, I'm glad you dig it. I didn't really have an intention of a, a set style. So I would have to say that it is inherently my default style. Cause I, I like, I didn't set out to make a chill album. I just set out to do something. So that's an interesting realization I've been able to have in hindsight that, uh, oh, this is kind of my core style, whatever this is, chill or whatever. But I mean, you mentioned Steely Dan, and now that you mentioned that, like, if Steely Dan did video game music, this is what it would sound like, I personally feel. You know, I don't know, as a fan of theirs, like, I think that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I definitely have a lot of... I, I know a lot of my influences, like Steely Dan and Hollow Notes is a really big influence for me. And But I agree with you that it would be very interesting to see Steely Dan <laughs> doing video game <laughs> covers. I would love to hear all kinds of bands do video game covers. So uh, I guess I'm here to kind of fill in some of those gaps. With that said, with the eight tracks that we have... What was sort of the process in terms of choosing which tracks you would then put on here? Because I know you said that there were a few that you wanted to do, but there's a little bit of Secret of Mama, a little bit of Colonel Trigger. But what was it about these tracks in particular that really drew you to them? One thing that I really haven't discussed, even though that it's in the liner notes, that each one has a, a different girl that it's inspired by. So they all kind of have their own personal stories to them. That's kind of the driver that's another reason i put it on a valentine's day some of these girls are ex-girlfriends one is my wife one is my daughter uh one is a internet friend that i never met so like it just had different um inspiration whatever drives that musical motivation so i, I the feeling in it that's where that came from the choice of the tune I don't know. I, I I say that that there's only two like real magic in the world. Like, there's the magic that's love, and there's the magic that's music. You can do amazing stuff with visual arts, and you can communicate with people and not have language and and stuff like that, which is really cool with with art. When you see it, if you go to a art gallery and seeing people interpret things in a different way. 
But there's something about music that like really actually physically moves you. Like the, the fact that sound is making waves and it's going through your body. It's, it's just really interesting to me. So I don't really understand all of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. I like, I kind of sound like as if I know what I'm talking about, but maybe I don't, but I do get what you're saying. And I think I said this to uh, Cody Carpenter on the past episode about how I really feel that music is the last universal language. Yeah, and, and it, you can see it in the way that people treat music. So, like, I point out this, that uh, movies, movies are magic. It's amazing. But you have, like, you know, like some of the, like the Marvel films, you know, a thousand people are working on this movie. And you see this thing happening on the screen, and it's, it's awe-inspiring. It's amazing. But, but people in this day with smartphones, they kind of get it. They kind of understand it, one thing that people don't understand that drives me nuts is turn your dang phone. All right, let's go landscape. Let's keep it professional, people. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. <laughs> so if people would do that, then you're like, oh, wow, I get it. And you can use your mobile to film something and you can even edit it on there. Mm-hmm. So even though movies are magic, grandma can make a movie and send it to me and want me to like it on Facebook. And I, I'll get to it, grandma. Hold on. But anyway, you you can you people get that, but with music, like not everybody can really grasp that. They don't really get it, and you can see it. Like I see it in in the way that Japan has treated their video game music. Like Nintendo, they know the law here. They know the law that if you put out your album of uh, the Super Mario Odyssey soundtrack on iTunes then anyone can license it and pay Nintendo a small fee and pay, you know, iTunes and Spotify and all those folks their their part and then you get money. Right. Well, they don't they don't like that because that's their intellectual property and they own that because they hired someone to make it. It's just it's really interesting how music is treated not just in that video game stuff but in publishing rights and and all the different ways that copyrights it's just it's just bizarre you can't understand it fully but the movie thing like with the camera it kind of gets you a little bit closer and you you kind of understand how that works i am pretty much like a slave to music but you know put a guitar in my hand i couldn't play a single chord for you that wouldn't make you want to leave the room. <laughs> Trust me. Like I could try to put a guitar up here now and that would be the end of the podcast because it would sound horrendous. So, I mean, but at the same time, though, it doesn't take much to be someone who appreciates music and what it does for not only themselves, but for other people. And it's like, I may not be able to play it and I'm super jealous of those who can, but I feel like it still carries over. Yeah. And you don't have to play a chord on the guitar, man. Just pick one note and just hit that note. That's enough to get people moving. I'm telling you. Don't make it too complicated. That's one thing that I like and that I do in my music. I don't think there's anything overtly complicated on this album. I am really proud of this. I wrote a weird little counter melody in the background of my arrangement of Secret of the Forest, which is called Forest Butterflies. And the reason it's called Forest Butterflies is because the overall sound of it was very much inspired by the song Butterfly by the band Jamiroquai. So go listen to that song and you'll hear like the 
the kind of the vibe. But in the uh, pre-chorus or in the chorus of Forest Butterflies, I wrote this really intricate little part that's on kind of like a clavinet and it spans three octaves and it's just in the background. And I li- I really liked that because I spent a lot of time just, I don't know where it came from, like why I had to do that, but I just had to get it in there. But everything else I keep kind of simple. And the reason I picked this stuff, like I said, I don't know. And that's something that I just kind of had this vibe that I thought, oh yeah, butterf- I was listening to Butterfly by Jamiroquai and maybe thinking... I don't know how it all happened, but I do know like with the, my Secret of Mana track, the Fear of the Heavens, I made that one for uh, this girl that she really liked like Zero Seven and the band Air. Oh, I love Air. And I incorporated elements of those things into the uh, arrangement. So like in that track, Fear of the Heavens, there's this really cool sine wave that has a... Um, big delay on it that reminded me of air i didn't have an acoustic guitar at the time so i asked uh tim yarbrough from the one-ups if he would strum the old grandpa's guitar for me and i tried to process it in the way that like i would hear on a zero seven record so those kind of inspirations are all kind of peppered in final fantasy is one of my favorite series but secret of mana anytime someone does any sort of arrangement at all I sort of gravitate towards it. And, you know, Hiroki Kakuda, when he, like, composed that, Secret of Mana did something that I think not even Final Fantasy was able to do with its music. And it really is just something special. I don't know what it is about that game or its music, but it just takes it to a place that I think overall, like, it's stronger than even some of, like, the best Final Fantasy scores. Yeah, he he's something. It's definitely the music. It's not the game. <laughs> I... I love, don't get me wrong. I love that game. It almost destroyed my family, but because we were definitely not getting along when we played it, but we, we beat it. <laughs> you did. I could never get there with friends, with uh, my siblings, and now with my children. Just can't keep it going. But the music, love the music. And, and, and I mean, and not everyone, cause, because they're kind of, some of them get a little, little weird. A little is an understatement. <laughs> yeah, but some of them are just absolutely just beautiful. I I made this. Uh, you're going to be excited about this. I did a um, the music that plays inside this shrine that has just like a kind of this delayed piano and these big pads. And then it has the uh, the sound of uh, what is that sound at the beginning of the game? Is that the the dragon? That's the, yeah, that's the Mana Beast. The Mana Beast, right? So, and it has that like in the background. I did a, um, a specifically in the style of what the kids are calling chill hop right now. <laughs> uh, I did a chill hop arrangement of this where um, you can just start one sound and then mute the rest and just sit there and like unmute sounds and it just you can build it up and you can just do that for like an hour and it just never in, in a, on a loop and it just never gets boring because that rate that that composition itself is just so fascinating to me just as an aside you have to play that with someone that not only you trust but you're also willing to lose <laughs> Yeah. Because that game, like, it requires you to be completely in sync with the people you're playing with. And anytime someone is not, for whatever reason, everything gets thrown into chaos. And I love that about that game. And I think it's kind of funny. The music, 
I don't know. I feel like maybe I'm putting words in his in his mouth, but it's to me what makes Secret of Mana such a great score, such a great soundtrack is just there's no wasted note. You know, like there's that in, that inevitable dash of pretension that sometimes happens where even as someone who like writes, you know, like you want to just do this one thing because you just think it's cool. But it's like, no, it basically everything serves a purpose. Yeah. And I think that that level of restraint, even when it's it's most experimental and just off kilter, is just I don't think it's celebrated enough. Yeah, it's it's something else. I, I did a, an arrangement of ceremony from that game because that is probably the most just gut wrenching, haunting piece of Super Nintendo music Um it's just so weird and it's terrifying and i made a halloween version of it that was very um amplified that with all these weird death sounds <laughs> i don't know <laughs> there's so it's, many uh, in there <laughs> it's something but uh i called it ceremony if if you wanted to look for it out there it's uh mustin secret of mana ceremony and it is weird and it's not explicit but it's not for kids because it's just terrifying and also, shout the Coin Song. That that was another great track on this album. Thanks. I always love the dynamic between uh, Edgar and Sabin, and the cool thing in these video games that didn't happen all the time was the arrangement of another theme to show the drama. Right. So, like, even in. Star Wars, we have different themes for the characters, and they can play in these melancholy ways, and then they can intertwine. But to have the theme of uh, the Figaro Castle, and then know that it's the theme for the the brothers, and then have this like tender time and a uh, time of this memory music, and have it be the same theme, and just let you know that oh, this is the sad part. It was just such an interesting, interesting thing to me that didn't happen all the time. Like a lot of games, they just had, here's your level one, here's your level two, you know, and they didn't really call back to stuff. So this arrangement was always, I mean, this piece of music was always very tender and I just started arranging it. And when I was doing it, it had no drums and I just had uh, cymbals and it was different for me because I'm, I'm pretty drum based but I just kept it. And then when I, I did come in with drums at the end, like people were encouraging me to, oh, put the drum beat at the beginning. Like, no, no, no. I didn't want to do that. I wanted it to like, I wanted it to really just, just flow. And then when it gets to that push, like you feel like you really earned it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was really happy about that. And of course, Elaine Lee, who played the violin on that one, uh, she's just, I, I couldn't think of someone better to do it because she's just a big fan of Uematsu, a big fan of game music, and uh, she just nailed it. It was so good. The violin, I love it. Even if there were tracks I knew, your approach to them is always, it's a, it's just a little different. It's a little, like, and it, this is going to be weird to say, but like this level of enthusiasm is not, you know, it's not rope by any means. Well, that's that's a nice thing to say. I appreciate it. Yeah, and I see what you're saying. As as I try to be objective about it as I can. So, like the approach of it uh, being a little different, like the one that I called from the bottom, which is "Depths of the Night" from Chrono Trigger, which is the sad theme. 
Uh, that one plays in a lot of sad places during that game. But it's also just a really, really chill tune. And so when I wanted to do an arrangement of it, I kind of came from a, a modern idea of it as if Chrono had a real douchebag car <laughs> with the windows down and he's driving at dusk in the city on the highway and listening to that. What would it sound like as he's pondering, you know, all the sad things that are happening in the game, right? So it's like, it still has the same kind of pensive quality to it. Like thinking about, you know, oh man, this is terrible. What's happening to Robo right now? And Chrono's gone, is or is he? But like doing it in a way that was kind of approachable from the outside where someone could just overhear it and know that it was supposed to be something you think about, but still something you can bob your head to. Right. And something I always look for in music, I don't care what genre it is, and especially if it's instrumental, that inevitable moment that gets captured in a recording where the musicians just start snapping. <laughs> where it's start like, snapping. okay, yeah, you basically, it's like, you know, you're trying to lay in the cut, you know, you're just sort of on a groove. But then there's like this moment where it's like, all right, someone either on a keyboard or guitar, someone's just going to throw in something where they're just feeling it. And it's like, look, we're just going to just go with it. Almost, almost like in like a freeform <laughs> jazz kind of way, because there's points like you on a keyboard where it's just like, oh, my God, like. <laughs> like you just go there with it yeah yeah like uh, i did that in uh the final fantasy 4 main theme um i just kind of went buck wild with my synthesizer i really got into it i i had fake drums there and on that one and it and even though it was like a very loop kind of thing it just didn't have the groove to it so i asked uh yusuf kelly brew who played drums on forest butterflies i said hey will you do this one too i know it's really simple but i think that it could really punch it up and he did and it was great and i just kind of went buck wild on the keyboard after that i i, I kind of got rid of what i had there for years and then i said we got to clean this up so we can get it done and and i just I kind of snapped, like you said. <laughs> I'd imagine it's also difficult, too, is, you know, since you had been working on this for such a long time, you know, the willingness to be able to, you know, allow the music to change and evolve over time. Because, you know, like you said, you started this, what, 2003? You know, you're a different person. Yeah. An entire life has happened. Like I said, now you have, you know, a wife and you said you had children as well. If I'm mistaken. Yep. So yep. now you're and it's funny now being with my girlfriend's kids and it's funny one of the things that bonded with me was video game music because yeah. they are into this stuff and of course you know they think i'm awesome because i have all these old systems i'm like good luck trying to find anything that works but <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because i was going over the notes and like the the people that you had worked with and i mentioned brental floss and he like loses like, his eyes light up and i'm like what the hell do you know about brental floss and it's just <laughs> but yeah. it's cool because now like this is the stuff that not too long ago I would just sort of like vibe out on and now it's like creating it, you know, being older, arguably wiser. I don't know. People say that when you get older, but maybe not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Like I, I can imagine some of those arrangements also had to change as well. But to, that the fact that you're even allowed, like you're allowing yourself to do that, I think is also kind of cool because not everybody can do that. Yeah. Uh, I, I've had a lot of friends that um, 
strangely enough, I had a lot of friends that will make a piece of music, put it out there, and then like never listen to it again. And just, that's it. They're on to the next. And I never really understood that because all these pieces of music, you know, even the ugly ones are my little babies and I love them. With this one, I really got to help them grow and be the best that they could be, which I think, you know, yeah, I might have something to do with me having kids and um, seeing them grow like the one I just talked about. I, you know, that one was inspired uh, by my daughter, you know, who was not born. I had never even I never met her mother whenever I started making them this album, <laughs> you know, and now she's eight. Oh, so, wow. uh yeah, I think that that's pretty. It's 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 a good point. Like I, it, it allowed me. I was growing, and because I was growing and letting things grow around me and doing that in sync, then I was able to go back and help these. And talk about being a lifetime. Going back to that secret of mana, the fear of the heavens. On that one, there's vocals, and they're performed by Jacqueline Kia Marlin. And Jacqueline, I met on MySpace, and uh, oh my god, wow, that's <laughs> yeah, and it and this like all sounds terrible, and I I'm telling you, it's all above board. But I met her on MySpace. I was looking for singers. We recorded, and everything was cool, and it was all professional. And then uh, it took me for like literally a, another lifetime for her to put it out. So she she was fourteen, and it took me almost over sixteen years to actually release it. So that that is insane, and and I love the fact that whenever I was I was done with the album, I had all the discs at my house. I'm just waiting for the media push to you know go out, um, and that's the first time that's ever happened, and that felt really good too because. It was really nice to actually have something done and then do press for it and all that and everything's all set. Whereas with the one-ups, it's always the 11th hour, the 59th minute, and the 59th second. I, I know we, we did um, we did Secret Armana, um just the overworld music. We did that as a band and then we had a djembe player. And this was on our album Volume 2 that came out in 2008. And we had to get this sent off and get ready because we were going to go perform at PAX in uh, two weeks, I think. So I had that djembe player. He came in, he recorded, and then I spent 20 minutes getting it cleaned up, burned the final disc, and then ran to the post office because <laughs> I had to get it overnighted to Oklahoma so that they could print the CDs so they could have them two day aired to Seattle. So it, that it's always been like that. It still is like that. We were supposed to put out our eighth album in February, but I just called it and I said, Hey, we're too old for this mess. We're going to back off and we're going to do it right. And it's going to be fine. No one's chomping at the bit for our eighth album of a bunch of old guys playing video game music. Calm down. It's all right. So we, <laughs> so we held off on that. But anyway, I've got these discs and I'm, I'm excited. It's got my name on and it says the world is square and it's finally done. It's out of, I'm, I'm good. So I sent out an email to everybody that helped me make it, you know, that is a featured performer and stuff. And I said, Hey, this is done. The discs are ready. Uh, would anybody like for me to send them to you? You know, I really appreciate this and, you know, mushy, mushy, mushy. Nobody replied except for Jacqueline, <laughs> who has been <laughs> waiting for twice her life to, <laughs> to do it. See, and it's just crazy because she's the person I know the least. 
And so all my other friends on here, you know, they're going to roll around on social media and be like, oh, yeah, that disc is out. Give me a copy and I'll I'll do that. You know, just it's no slight on them. It's, you know, uh, hopefully not a slight on me that (laughs) that uh, nobody responded to me. But but I just thought it was so funny that she did. And that's uh, that's just crazy to me. I can't imagine what that must be for her, because, I mean, for me, it's been, you know, a third of my life. But for her, it was everything it was crazy there's yeah there's people that i know like that i speak to regularly that i've only known through the internet and then when you actually start taking inventory how long i've known them i'm like that can't possibly be right because oh, it <laughs> it's like really did i know them for nearly like for over a decade like what oh man i'm coming up on 20 years with some friends from the uh, irc chat rooms Oh, wow. All right. See, yeah. we're bringing it to IRC. I, I don't know. Like, Depending on who's listening to this, <laughs> we pretty much either gained or lost an entire audience in real time. <laughs> like, That's uh, right. I just oh. I was cracking up because I was uh, showing the, my girlfriend's son the uh, when Captain Marvel came out, uh, they did like that. Um, like that GeoCities themed like website for yeah. like the, and he's just like looking like, what is this? I'm like, this was the Internet when I was a kid. Yeah. And I never felt so old. Like, I'm not even <laughs> like, I'm going to be 35 this year. That's not even that bad. I'm like, I feel like a dinosaur. Thank you, yeah. Internet. <laughs> yeah, the Internet's good for that, man. Uh, I just don't understand why kids want to watch adults react to things. I just don't. I'm not that guy. <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like maybe talking about, you know, that vindication of like my parents are talking about, oh, yeah, no one's going to be into this stuff or, you know, very much vividly remembering my aunt telling my cousin, yeah, no one's going to be able to play video games for money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just I don't get it. You know, and my son, he's 13 and he's really into it, streaming and wants to do it himself. And I just same. I just don't understand. I, I don't. But that's like the they're, you know, rock stars. Which was so unattainable for us as young folks and movie stars. <laughs> right? And it's like all of my uh, rock stars were Japanese composers for games that like five people I knew played. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> oh. That's probably the best thing about the internet is finding those people that shared your weird experience. Um, today I was listening to My Brother and My Brother and Me, an old episode. And Travis McElroy, one of the brothers, was doing a goof on the level of disappointment he experienced with a Darkwing Duck toy, a specific one that I remember. (laughs) And his brother Griffin was really razzing his taz about how nobody's going to get this and you need to stop because we're losing our audience. So I tweeted at him and said, hey, I'm right there with you. I had that same experience, man. Let let the healing begin. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's just crazy how many other people had the same weird experience that you did. Like hearing all these people, hearing all these people that um, held the, that got their hands on a cassette player and then held it up to the TV and, and recorded it and then would listen to it on the bus to school. Like, wow, I'm not the only kid that did that. So it's just been really nice to have that, uh, what do you call that, confirmation that you're not alone in the universe. I don't know. Like, you feel bad about it, but then I'm like, well, where were you this whole time? Like, why did I have to spend this whole half of my life without knowing anybody had the same experience? Like, damn it. Like, you could have helped (laughs) me through so many problems. Where the hell were you? Yeah. 
Yeah, the internet is the best and the worst thing ever made. So absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, given your background, um, something that I did want to talk to you about was the fact that you are also co-founder of one of the first game music labels. Yeah. Uh it. Uh, I don't know. It seems. <laughs> it seems like just breathing now. Uh, and it was so long ago. I got involved with Overclock Remix. The founder, David Lloyd, a.k.a. DJ Pretzel, uh, somehow put together that I was in Arkansas and that Dale North was in Arkansas. And it turned out we lived in neighboring towns. And then we met and quickly became fast friends. And then I found out that this thing called Project Majestic Mix was going to use something called mechanical licensing to actually license a final, uh, well, a tribute to Nobuo Uematsu, Final Fantasy composer, and also a little bit of Chrono Trigger. And he was in Missouri, which it was only two hours away. So we all met up and got along real fast. And then Dale and I became uh, co-producers of the project. And then quickly, because we were right next to each other, we just started doing our own stuff as well. And then that just kind of took off. Uh, we followed up what Project Majestic Mix did with uh, an album called Square Dance that I produced that was just Squaresoft, then Squaresoft, uh, tracks that were done like in club dance kind of styles right and then uh we followed that up with the tribute to yasunori mitsuda that one dale kind of um headed up and then from there uh that's when we started getting into the one-ups and that became pretty much it from then on well i had the bad dudes bad dudes is my buddies i I like the the one-ups is my bros that are all here and we hang out and drink beer and yell at each other about core changes. <laughs> but with the bad dudes, that's my friends that are also sitting in their bedroom producing music in their underwear. So <laughs> all I've got all those guys together and called us the bad dudes. And so we released some albums and uh, yeah, just, it's just been going on and I'll do things here and there for friends um and i was doing also some original stuff too like our second saxophonist anthony lofton uh like i produced recorded helped arrange produced his original first album and then i also ran a recording studio out of my home and i primarily recorded uh, hip-hop artists and i did a lot i've done a lot of uh, hip hop and rap stuff, and I still nice. uh, contribute to the nerdcore community. Um, awesome, awesome MC Lars and Mega Ran, two of my favorites. Like those guys are solid dudes. Yeah, they are solid dudes, and they've got the a new album coming out that is all about books. And they used one of my original beats uh, to rap about the Jabberwocky. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> And that, that's cool. got to be like a, a nice little pat on the back. Like, I never thought this would be a thing, but, okay, you know, awesome. It's so great because MC Lars just randomly hit me up and be like, hey, you got any old beats lying around? And I'll be like, okay. And I get them beats and I do stuff here and there for Mega Ran. And I, I don't know. I've just, uh, I did a lot of stuff with Beefy. I did a 
remix MC Front a lot. It's been cool, and I'd like to do more stuff, but everybody's just so good at what they're doing. I don't know if they need little old me. Oh. (laughs) I feel like in post, I I should add like a little piano interlude at that point. That was so sad. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's good. They're they're, they're doing great. I'm doing great. I'm, you know, trying, like I said, uh, the one-ups, our eighth studio album. My goodness, we've been doing this too long. The first, <laughs> the first album came out in 2005, and, and then here we are. In 2019, we're going to be releasing the eighth album. It's a whopper. It's, uh, I think people are going to really dig it. We brought back Anthony. I know people really missed the saxophone. Um, Anthony was able to come back and do five tracks with us, and um, we have violin on a couple of tracks, and... There's a lot of cool stuff. There's some cool jazz stuff. There's some vocal stuff. Um, and we finally did Dire Dire Docs, which people have been begging us to do for 17 years. <laughs> I've known a lot of people when when it comes to like video game music. I don't know. I feel like this is where I let myself down. How did I go this whole time without realizing that there's this massive fandom for Dire Dire Docs? I don't know, dude. It's, it's huge. I mean... Water water jams are totally fresh. I had a dream about uh, aquatic ambiance last night for some reason. Oh wow! Uh, like, see, uh, I don't know. Me and water levels, though. That's that that kind of hits on an old phobia. Like they have such the, the best themes, but like the levels, I'm like, I can have someone else play them. Yeah, well, I'm terrified. I don't know how to swim, and I'm terrified of water. So, oh my I, god, I, so am I. I got spooked out playing uh ocarina of time swimming across that daggum lake i was yes. like nope i know i was like nope i was like nope again talking about not knowing you know that there's people <laughs> on the internet that have the same feeling as you because at this point it was only me and like my best friend's wife and it's like i thought we were the only two weirdos and for a long time i thought it was just me and Again, now knowing there are people who are like, because a lot of people are like, oh, I don't like the water temple, not create a tiger. It's just, it's difficult. You can get stuck and like ruin your game. No, I was the guy who skipped an entire set of levels in Mario 64 because the minute I actually got the courage to go underwater, a giant eel swam past me and I ripped the game out of the console nope. without even turning it off. Like, I could not. That's right. And you put it at the bottom of the drawer under the clothes. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm there with you. But uh, those musics, though, I'm 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 all about it. I do because I listen to stuff outside of, you know, and that's the thing about that's go back to that magic of music is that like recently with Celeste, people were talking about it. I listened to it and I was like, OK. And then I listened to it again, like the entire album. I was like, hmm. And then later that day, because I listened to a lot of music at my day job at work. Later that day, I was like, I want to listen to that again. And the third listen, I was hooked. And I've listened to it, like, probably the entire album of Celeste. It's so like, good. Hundreds of times. So then the one-ups were invited to play at uh, PAX West. And just from the inter- from Twitter, I kind of figured that uh, Lena Rain, the composer, lived in Seattle. Reached out to her, asked if she would like to perform some music from Celeste with us on stage. She said yes, which was awesome. And then made that happen. And that was such an awesome surprise for the audience because uh, they just thought that I was joshing. Like, we, we were going to play Celeste. Oh, and also the composer is here. So that was really fun. That was in September, and then the kids wanted to switch for Christmas. Um <laughs> 
uh, so they got us. I got them the Nintendo Switch, and it's so funny. Do you remember Switch being, you know, going outside and having to get a stick that your parents would hit you with? Yeah, I'm not a fan of switches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's just it's the the way you say it. <laughs> so <laughs> right, it's, it's all the delivery. <laughs> the Nintendo Switch. I got the Switch from a Nintendo Switch for my kids. Um, and then one day, uh, I think in February, I was just chilling out, and there was a sale on Octopath Traveler, and Brental Floss had just been bugging me and bugging me about how good the game is, and I'm like, all right, bro, I'll check it out. So. I went ahead and bought that. And then I noticed I had still had some coins left. And I was like, oh, there's that Celeste game. So I bought it. Bro, this is the first time I had ever actually seen the game. That's it. Like, I have I, been listening to it. I performed with the composer. I'm still <laughs> listening to it at work. But then that moment, months later, it was the first time I ever saw, like, the game in action. Isn't so, that wild? Yeah, it, it's just wild. And then so I'm playing and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is really cool. I like how they use this for this. And and, they w- and you can see how good Lena was at her job for making something that stood on its own. But then also uh, when I started playing the game, it really enhanced my understanding of the music. So just Absolutely. amazing stuff that's going on with these video game musics. Absolutely. Shout out to Lena. Like that, like that you know, and I felt so bad because... You know, like I said, the Switch, when it came out, I wasn't really thinking a lot about it. I was like, you know, I'm going to see where it goes because, you know, Nintendo's done this before. I was not expecting them to sort of take off, especially with some of the really cool indie stuff that's been coming out for them. So, like I said, when you mentioned Octopath, like I had a guy at work who every time I saw him would be like, did you play Kingdom Hearts 3? No. Did you at least play Octopath Travel? Because I know you're into that. I was like, I have not. I don't even have a Switch. <laughs> like, <laughs> buy me a Switch and I'll, I'll be there with you. Yeah. I tried to start Octopath Travelers. <laughs> I played for like 10 minutes. And I literally fell asleep because I get tired after work. But um, I'm excited. Uh, I just saw the thing announced about the, um, the what is it? The Crypt of the Necromancer Zelda version. Yes. I played that trailer so many times. I'm like, that's my jam right there. And I, honestly, I just want the soundtrack at this point. Yeah. I want to <laughs> check that out. I, I, I'm pretty interested in that. And then before that, though, my favorite Zelda has still been hanging on by a hair as being Link's Awakening. And to see that they're redoing that, I think it's kind of informed my next music thing is that I'm going to get in the hype of that because I loved that game so much. I drew out on paper, on eight sheets of typing paper, the entire map where all the secret seashells, I made a strategy guide for it. And this bully freaking kid, David, made me let him borrow it, and he never gave it back to me. David, if you're listening, somehow give him back the damn maps. That's right. (laughs) David, I will crush you. So I love this game. I know like every little part of it. I mean, I'm all about it. So one thing that I've always wanted to do, and I think maybe would be a good follow-up to my last album, which just came out here in February, The World is Square, with its eight tracks, I really want to do each dungeon of that game. And it's like an arrangement of it. So all eight dungeons and make that an album for, for Leaks Awakening. Do you do like Venmo, Cash App? Because it's like, all right, you know what? Here, let me, let me send something your way to get that made because... 
that game, like, I mean, I know I, I piss a lot of people off when I tell them that Twilight Princess is probably one of my favorites. Yeah. I know. I don't know. Okay. My, my son I made it. peace with it because a lot of peers are like, nah, Hey, I hated Ocarina at time. I couldn't finish it because I, not just because of the fear of the, of the lake, but just, I just hated the controls. I hated how it looked. But when my son got a 3DS XL and it was big enough and cool enough and, and he got that game for Christmas and I just picked it up and I started playing and I was taking it to work and I was like, you know what? And I'm glad that I did. And I got through it because the Shadow Temple was is still one of the most like fun ingenious levels I've ever played and I I'm really glad that they redid it in 3D cuz it was a lot better. Nintendo 64, I'm sorry, I loved it. I no one was more hyped than me. I had printed out pictures of the silicon graphics crap and my trapper keeper and all this stuff. I was so pumped. Loved it, but the stuff just does not hold up in its look. It's and that's why they're remaking all these N64 games cuz they look like trash. Yeah, that was a rough era. I mean, which is the same reason why a lot of people have been clamoring for the Final Fantasy VII remake. Because, again, one of the most pivotal games in the series. But, I mean, I'm sorry. You know, people worked hard on that game, but it's it's a rough it's a rough <laughs> go. So, I'm not, I'm not trying to, like, you know, crap on people's work. But it's... And that's why I think it was cool when they did with Link's Awakening. Because of all the games that could have been remade. The fact that people finally went back and showed some love to arguably one of the best games in the series that I don't think a lot of people played for obvious reasons. Now, like in a whole, let's say, you know, whole new generation gets to play it or the other generation gets to replay it. And I don't know, I'm really excited. And also, people just need to put some respect on the Ballad of the Windfish, which is one of the my favorite pieces. Absolutely. And art, one of the best pieces of music I think ever put in a game. It's so beautiful and heartbreaking at the exact same time. Yep. Absolutely. I'm 100% with you. So, yeah, I, I mean, you know, and th- when I saw that trailer and then I went home for lunch and then I showed it to my family, I said, I, I told my daughter, I think this is going to be her first Zelda game is this Link's Awakening. Because, like, that's where I was. I didn't get to Super Nintendo until later. I got a okay. Game Boy. And then when I was around, like, 11, I think, is when Link's Awakening came out. And, man, I was in that. But anyway, I, I'm I'm not the best Zelda fan. All, all my real favorites are handheld. I'm sorry to say. That's totally okay. That's and, a, and there's no shame in my, that at all. One of my favorite console ones is Hyrule Warriors. I'm sorry. I love that game. No, man. Hyrule Warriors I love is, that game. It's a great game. It's <laughs> difficult as all hell, but come on, that boss theme. Yeah. Like I it just makes me want to mosh. Like this is probably the heaviest thing that's ever been put in a Zelda game. Yeah. And it just gets me so hyped. Yeah, dude. It's good stuff. But I I'm just excited that, you know, that when when they put out the the trailer for the, the necromancer thing, like and that Nintendo looks like they're wanting to do more partnerships with indie stuff. It would just be nice to see that world open up because uh Nintendo could do a lot of interesting things. I think it's about time. I think to equate it even with, let's say, music or even like the video game music scene, there are people who have been doing this much longer, but there's now, like any other scene, the kids will come up and they'll do it their way. And I think it's really cool to, instead of shrugging them off, being like, all right, that's not for us, sort of embracing it and realizing it only serves the greater good well that sounds weird but <laughs> but to collaborate and to bring on people that you normally wouldn't have and to bring in some outside experiences because 
I think Nintendo sees the writing on the walls. Like people are gravitating towards these games for a reason. Yeah, I get it, and I don't get it, but you know, times are changing. <laughs> My kid, he just beat the eighth dungeon in Link to the Past. The nine-year-old, she's just now starting her second pendant in the Light World. And things are kind of come full circle and watching them yell at each other in the living room. And I love that video game music brought us together. And even now the games and especially with collections like these, because they heard, you know, some of the music on this and they recognize it and they know this. And I think that's really cool. So if anything, I just want to say thank you for sticking with it for as long as you did to get this album out, because I got to bond a little bit today. And I don't know that that means a lot. And now the dad version of me is getting all like, emotional (laughs) (laughs) hey i hear you man and that's uh that's awesome that's that's uh that's really touching to hear i i have that kind of stuff going on with my kids and uh it's it's pretty cool i think that our kids that are listening to instrumental music and are hearing a wide variety of genres because that's one thing about video game music is that it doesn't have a genre it's uh all encompassing there's all kinds of music inside of video game music i think it's going to make uh, this generation uh smarter and a little a little sharper and and i think they'll be excited to hear the eighth uh, one-ups album because um there'll be some stuff on there that hopefully they'll recognize from celeste all the way back to dr mario i hope And thank you also for taking the time out and chatting with me about this. And I always take any opportunity to talk about the two things I love very much. No problem. Anytime. But before we go, just let everybody know where they can hear this album or download it, wherever, you know, platforms you want to plug real quick. Uh, Let the folks know. Yeah, you can find all the stuff for my album, The World is Square. It's on all your digital places, but you can get a link to it from bit.ly slash the world is square and that'll take you to a site where you can click on all your all your stuff. You can buy the CD from Bandcamp and Fangamer. You'll actually get a CD in the mail. This cool little eco pack. Uh, it's not like the traditional jacket. It's uh, all recycled material. It's pretty cool. And uh, you can just kind of find stuff from me at mustin.net. That's like Dustin or Justin, but with the M is in March. M-U-S-T-I-N dot net. We have the oneups.com. We're going to be putting out that next album. And I'm a Twitter junkie. If you want to hit me up, uh, at Mustin. I really don't uh, jazz too much on the Facebook, but I've got pages there. You can look it up. <laughs> I'm around. I'm uh, old enough that if you pull up my name... Uh, I'm in the top top few results. <laughs> that is the best description of that I think I've heard. That's that's great. So before we close out, though, I know we had talked a little bit about the email about one of the songs. So I know you kind of had a pick, but I don't know. I kind of figured dealer's choice. Like if you had to choose one outside of like a single that really is a nice representation of this album, what would you say is your pick? You're asking a father to pick his favorite child. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I, gosh, I don't know. I guess Coin Song because... Ha! That was actually the one I was going to choose. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, it does have all the different emotions. I want you to know that I like to groove. and All these other tracks really do groove. And uh, Coin Song does do that there at the end. Yeah, so I would say, I guess, point song. Very awesome. And again, thank you, Mustin, and thank you all for listening. And 
Um, well, we'll be closing out with Coin Song from the World of Square by Mustin. And well, also thank you, Jason. And also just thank you to the video game community, video game music community for just being always awesome. And that'll do it for this episode of Agent Has Issues. And we will see you next issue.